Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. Hello and welcome to episode 219 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of November 2017 and our Daikaiju discussion for a fairly obscure film, Ultra Q, the movie. Now, in addition to the discussion, we also have some news stories and uh, some cool music to share and a little housekeeping announcement at the end of the episode. Um, And since I couldn't actually find the soundtrack to Ultra Q the movie, we'll kick things off with the classic Ultra Q arrangement by Kunio Miyauchi.
again, class. It is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast takes a look at one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. As we rapidly approach the end of the list of Kaiju movies, we turn our gaze to the heavens, or more appropriately, The Legend of the Stars, which is the subtitle to Ultra Q the Movie. The Japanese name for this is Ultra Q the Movie. Hoshino Dentetsu, literally Ultra Q the movie, Legend of the Stars. And it was produced in 1990 by Subaraya, uh, as well as Shochiku and some other production companies. Now, the movie we are watching this evening has no English subtitles at all. And to be perfectly honest, the amount of information that is out there, or, or at least that I could find, is just minuscule at best. Lucky for us, Mike Keller pointed out that Ultra Q, the movie Legend of the Stars, has a write-up in Markalite issue two. Uh, it's by Bob Johnson, who has been a guest on the podcast several times. And I am actually going to read a little bit of this to you guys. So this is uh, directly from Bob Johnson's article. In today's modern society, we read daily in the newspapers about companies and individuals exploiting the Earth's natural resources for their own selfish gain. So, what if the Earth finally got fed up and decided to fight back? This is the premise to Subaraya Productions' Ultra Q, the movie, Legend of the Stars. Subaraya and their distribution arm, Shochiku Films slash Fuji Films, entered into a lucrative deal with Sega Games Incorporated to form Subaraya Film Company an official production house to create films based on the concepts created by Subaraya Pro and approved by the Tripartite Corporation. Ultra Q was the first of these projects submitted for a feature-length treatment at the helm of project development was veteran director Akio Jisoji. Now, we're going to talk about Jisoji a little bit in the episode, but Bob says that he worked on Ultraman, Ultra 7, Tokyo Babylon, and Utamaro's World. And he was joined by his favorite scenarist and longtime partner, writer Mamoru Sasaki, who worked on Ultraman, Silver Mask, Iron King, and Oshima's Death by Hanging. Now, again, that's all according to Bob's article. Now, you're going to hear us talk a little bit about this because Bob does his best to sort of summarize what happens in this movie. But what happens is he sort of ex explains really the plot of the entire thing up until a certain point, And he literally ends it with like a dot, dot, dot. So uh, because of that, we did actually feel a little bit lost even after his explanation as to what happens towards the end of the movie. So uh, this is not what I've really come to expect from a standard Daikaiju discussion. Everybody's confused, including me. And there's just no answers. And um, I feel kind of bad about that. I feel kind of weird. So I'm just going to go ahead and wrap up this portion of the intro. And we're going to listen to the uh, teaser for Ultra Q the movie and dive right into the discussion. <laughs> Joining me here in the studio and having just finished watching Ultra Q, the movie, we have Rachel Cook. Hey, hey. Gretchen Brooks. Hey. Dave Helfrey. Hello. And Clancy Peterson. Hey, everybody. And uh, yeah, like I said, we just finished watching the movie. This is um, Ultra Q, the movie, the legend from the star, legends of the stars. 
And it is uh, not a movie that has ever been subtitled that I could find. And I really did look for a subtitled copy of this movie because I'm very interested in knowing what it's about because I love Ultra Q. Uh, unfortunately, though, this did not really... <laughs> I don't consider this movie one of those ones that is just super obvious what's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's go ahead and start off. I don't think anybody here had seen it. Is that correct? That correct. is right. correct. <laughs> correct. So, uh, so let's go around the room and let's quickly just get first impressions. And I understand they're not going to be great. So, Rachel, uh, I really wanted it to have a science patrol and a and a pigmon in it, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no pigmon for you. No, no pigmon for me. Uh, and no science patrol, but no science yeah. patrol should not be a surprise to you. I know, but when I hear the word ultra, I just associate that so much with a science patrol that I still mm. in the back of my brain think yeah, yeah, at yeah. some point there should be a science patrol. Sounds but, like a sounds like a personal expectation yeah, issue. Is. So yeah, uh totally. I'm just gonna go ahead Absolutely. and move along. Yeah. Move along to aggression. You uh probably understand the most Japanese in this room, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> so you were probably you didn't need any help at all and you oh, had not seen no. this before. <laughs> Um, my, First impressions. my translations of it was mostly like, I get to get the, like the surface conversation, but, um, I really like Ultra Q, like the fantasy show. Mm-hmm. So Ultra Q dark fantasy, dark fantasy, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, I really like that particular series. And this had that kind of similar, like Twilight Zone like, um, what is that other show? The Outer Black Limits. Mirror. The Outer Limits. Oh, outer oh you limits. were saying yeah. Black Mirror earlier. Well, but. earlier I was saying Black Mirror, like chocolate milk version, because <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that intense. Yeah, the family-friendly ultra-acute dark fantasy. Right. <laughs> not so dark fantasy. Not so dark <laughs> <laughs> fantasy Okay, but, but this movie, you thought this movie shared some of the same vibe? Yeah, I agree. I did. Okay, all right. Dave. I came away from this movie with a much greater appreciation for the need to understand what people are saying in a movie (laughs) because I didn't get it. I don't know what happened. (laughs) There was a monster and then there was like the the alien. You knew that there was an alien chick because she had sunglasses and a headscarf just like all the alien chicks do, but... I didn't understand. And what was with all the beer cans? I don't understand where all the beer cans came from at the end of the movie. I that, I need that explained to me. The depletion of natural beer resources? I know. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's like... Oh, yeah. Anyway. I'll think of later. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring that up later. There was a frat on that We are now that we going to be accepting see, fan or, theories the as to the, the, Very the concept of this <laughs> yeah. film. But so, I have a sneaky feeling that words would have explained it more. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm just an ugly American, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you don't automatically understand every foreign language no, you encounter? No, no. What a jerk. I know. Clancy, don't tell me you have fallen for the same tactic that Dave has. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> what do you think, man? <laughs> First impressions. Uh, well, you didn't save the best for last in the uh, list of Oh, the Dekaiju discussion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> but at the same time, I will say it wasn't the worst of the list either. I mean, honestly, if you wipe away the barrier for us not being able to actually understand what was going on in the film because we don't uh, speak Japanese, um, I myself am a fan of uh, Ultra Q. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the film did seem to have 
the vibe going through it that that show had. Um, while I wasn't like necessarily enjoying it to the fullest watching it, not being able to understand what was going on at the same time, the whole time I'm watching it, I was feeling like I really do want to watch this again at some point. Yeah, man. Um, like after you learn Japanese. Well, meaning if, if <laughs> someone went back and subtitle, yes. I, I okay. would say someone's probably going to subtitle this before I'm going to spend the amount of time required to learn Japanese. So <laughs> whichever comes first though. So, so you know, very diplomatic cards on I the table. I should probably say one of the reasons that this is that we, I decided to watch this movie is because sometimes I do something like I'll, I'll just be like, ah, fine, fine. It's not available. I'm going to buy a bootleg <laughs> of this movie. And then one month later, the official licensed announcement comes out that that movie is going to be released. So nice. now that we've covered Ultra Q, <laughs> The Legend of the Stars, maybe somebody will actually freaking subtitle it so we can understand what's going on. Uh, luckily, luckily in quotation marks, I'll say there is an article in Markalite issue two. Thank you to Mike Keller for the heads up on that. Uh, and it sort of gives it gives the most thorough accounting of what happens in the film although uh bob johnson who wrote it sort of ended it at a certain point and doesn't explain the rest of the movie right for that 2001 ending or whatever you want to call that <laughs> star babies <laughs> um i i had never seen this before i think it a couple of times i'd started it but i very quickly realized like i i'm not in the headspace to watch this so i was hoping that Watching with a bunch of friends would actually help <laughs> me sort of like cobble together the actual plot of this film. And overall, I'd say the general stuff, right? Like I could recognize as a fan of Ultra Q, I could recognize um, that these were sort of uh, it's almost like an Elseworlds tale of Ultra Q because you had the same characters, June, Ipe and Yuriko, but it doesn't fit so well I'm, i mean but it's, isn't that kind of ultra q's thing like doing individual like but i guess not i was gonna say i thought i was gonna they do like individual stories yeah 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 i mean it's a it's a television show it's a, yeah. so this is a movie and it's not that long right so it's only it's less than an hour and a half i think yeah but yeah, I was pretty surprised when it ended, honestly. It did sort of end on a what? Yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> Note. It just kind of didn't really end. It just sort of stopped. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, hopefully earlier in this episode, you will have heard me talk a little bit about the plot as described by this article. Um, and I, we watched the movie and then I sort of read that plot to these guys, uh, which include, of course, the fact that there are these strange murders and seawater is left behind, uh, in addition to three centimeter holes in the victims of these dead bodies that show up. Um, and then videotapes are ruined by seawater. The monster shows up. The monster disappears. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> it's really confusing. And I think the, the most confusing part is like what we see from, uh, Bob writing this article is, is it doesn't really Explain give us it. a lot of information about the actual film's desire to entertain us, right? Like it's sort of a, mm -hmm. it's a very, uh, I mean, no, no offense to Bob, but it doesn't really tell me that much about why we're seeing this. It's, yeah, sure. Very clinical. Yeah. So, and then of course, like I said, it sort of just ends. So we, as a non-Japanese speaking audience are totally left up to our own devices of figuring out what that ending means. Or 
if it means anything. But uh, overall, I did not really enjoy this, and I really want to because I love Ultra Q so much. So, I mean, we uh, we were just sort of talking about this and discussing it, and um, I think, honestly, the best thing for us to do is sort of go point by point here. So we've got uh, a connection of Ultra Q, as I mentioned, with June, Ipe, and, Ju- and Yuriko, who all work for TTV. And it was kind of obvious to me, and I think for some of you guys, that they were like sort of a special investigative reportive team mm-hmm. going out mm-hmm. to like sort of solve mysteries or at least do a special on something. So there's two different teams and they meet up. And once they meet up, they <laughs> one of them goes missing and they meet aliens and then the monster shows up. And like I said, it's just sort of it's not that it's nonsensical. It's just it doesn't. Makes sense. No, (laughs) not. I think it doesn't. You know what? It doesn't follow what I would consider to be like a conventional monster movie vibe. Mm. I mean, Mm. there's sort of a there's an air of mystery. I mean, I guess you could actually look at the Godzilla series and what, you know, stuff I like in the Godzilla movie and be like, oh, there's aliens and there's a giant monster and there's some city destruction. So, I mean, it's a kaiju film, even though it's a very obscure kaiju film once again why has no one subtitled this uh i mean for me i'm more interested in in uh in hearing what people i guess i'm more interested in hearing people once they can figure out what this movie is about but uh like so what did you did anybody like anything about this movie specifically was there any takeaway that you thought was like well you know even though i might not have understood this movie i got it in this way or even though i I didn't like the mo- mo- the movie for the most part. Like this part was cool. Is, Rachel, do you have anything I, like that? I want to know more about the cult that uh, rolls around in the water and yes. the white skin. Yeah. yeah, I mean they that, that was, was really confusing and bizarre. And uh, and how you know one of them at one point kind of looks like they're levitating, and the way they're like sliding along the sand like sea turtles. It was like really bizarre. But and then I don't know they have. They showed up multiple times in the movie, but since we don't know what they were saying, it was really fascinating. And then, like, the alien lady, I don't know if she's supposed to be the cult leader, but she showed up with the gold crown thing going on. But, uh, but yeah, I found that really intriguing. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, you know, again, it's one of those mysteries of the film. It sure would have been nice if those aliens had some sort of suits to make them, like, stand yeah. apart from humans, but... <laughs> I guess they're little, so you ooh, think, we never came up with a term for what's on their hands. Do so you think those are aliens? Yeah, I, okay. I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. that so all of those people, okay. all of those people were aliens. Yeah, yeah, they and had I some think they're, because Dave, you mentioned the uh, ancient aliens statue, right? Right. So. Because that was a thing. Right. That's a, but that's a real thing in that's real, a real life. Thing. Yeah. So where did you. That's one of those chariots of the gods things. Okay. All yeah. right. Mm, so. Yeah. Yeah. Have you actually seen that? In, statue in other movies i'm actually i'm not i'm no not in other movies like 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 in in history books okay that's a that's yeah the 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 design when the when the alien robot lady person thing first appears and she's got that weird bulky slit eyed right know, helmet you know kind of thing going on um that is that's taken from history that thing is real Okay. You know, and the, like the, the picture that they showed in the book, that those are, 
real pictures of a real thing. You know, so there's another you know, giant monster trope, by the way, showing off pictures in a, a, a legitimate history or right. children's history yes. book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but no, yeah, 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 okay, okay. That's, it's a very chariot to the gods thing. I don't remember when. I don't remember how old it is. I don't remember what yeah. country it's from or what what that actually means. Like, yeah, to, but to it's the one of those. It's, it's one of those things where where you could historians slash conspiracy theorists slash aliens you, you, slash crazy <laughs> people have uh, theorized that because of the bulkiness of the design and everything that it is supposed to. Uh, it's it's it symbolizes a space a spacesuit as seen by somebody who has no concept of space travel. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, is, okay, that's that's what the that's what the theory like you know at least the that's sort of the chariot to the godsian theory of it. You know, if you can't tell, I have no idea what any of the ancient well, alien stuff is all about. So you just oh, that's some me cool stuff. Bit, You've never seen Chariots of the Gods? No. Oh, oh dude. man, check that out. Yeah. Okay. No, it's 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 crazy. The, remember when he was standing on the weird like levitating shadow thing maybe that was supposed to be kind of symbolize like a a pictogram oh because he kind of did that like venu was it venusian man position on the ropes oh that oh, guy yeah. yeah the guy in the white outfit oh yeah i must have, I must have oh. dozed off during no that. it literally was one shot of a guy <laughs> yeah. like who and it was, was like kind of hanging music. from some ropes and it looked like he was levitating but i mean i didn't think i was joking around about the levitation thing when we said no, it but no, like but... i don't I don't I know why that was, was in like, there. It was, it was almost yeah. like a non sequitur shot. Like they're, they're like, ooh, that's cool. An alien might do that. But, well, I, I was thinking like it was symbolizing like that whole pictogram and maybe, again, maybe. Chariot of the Gods theories. Perhaps. Like, yeah. I, I wish I could tell you. Well, you know, it's I mean, not translated. I mean, we could, hopefully, we hopefully by the time this rolls around for the secondary iteration yeah. of this discussion, we will have more information about it. Because yeah. God freaking Blah. I can't believe the internet is so devoid of details on this film. It's crazy. Well, there's some, I mean, something happened where these people in this village ended up in the spaceship at the end, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. So that's that when they were going through their um, little gate thing. Yeah. So I, I kind of assume space the, jelly beans. Okay. Yeah. You remember um, in Ghidra, the three headed monster, Princess Salno? She's a human, yeah. but she. Something Venusian or Martian awakens in her, and she mm -hmm. sort of becomes a Martian for sure. the majority of that movie. Well, that was like like uh, Gretchen was mentioning Lovecraft a lot in, yeah. during, during yeah. that sequence, which I think is like because it's by the ocean and everything. Yeah. I think that kind of that I think that kind of uh, comparison sort of, is but the culty feel of it. But the, but it the, too, the right? yeah the the awakening of it, and maybe those are people like if this was a parable about. People not treating the earth properly, which I think is in the Markalite article. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, then maybe that's maybe that's what's going on. Maybe they were like called to. It's the it's 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 uh, it's space rapture. Yeah, that's space rapture. They 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 all get in there. That's they get where in the beer there. cans come in because they're showing off the filth of the planets, and they wait till the very end to show yeah, them. Yeah, that I one know. I didn't understand. One at all. single shot. Yeah. One single well, shot. unless unless they were <laughs> unless one of the things that they did. <laughs> it's, wait, it's 1990. All of the pollution has been cleaned up by now. That's the only thing. <laughs> they <laughs> they <laughs> did. No, well, they did. There were actually now that I think about it, there were those sequences. I was wondering about the construction sequences because they were very. The director was very specific about just showing lifeless earth and mud. 
Yeah. They weren't like, mm-hmm. they weren't clearing away a forest. There wasn't like, it was just mud. And I, th- and I thought that that was weird because there were, a, there were a lot of shots mm-hmm. of just mud. And I was wondering what the director was trying to say. And maybe he was talking about, maybe he was hinting at the sterility of the planet or something that had been used up That's so a much. Huge metaphor. I, maybe yeah. I'm grasping That's- here. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, have, I got nothing, but I mean, it's like, but now that like with the, with the, some of the, uh, the insights of this article, it's like now some of the, some of the shots are starting to make sense to me. Totally. Um, I wish I had the full list of, uh, of his work, but since you mentioned him, the director is Akio Jisoji and f- like fans of Ultraman who would be able to remember, you know, what an episode sort of looks like based on the, just, you know, either the monster title, you know, we were talking about the Jamila episode. That's definitely one of the ones he did. And if you can recall that episode, there's a ton of really weird, camera angles stuff that you don't normally see in uh your standard narrative television stuff like uh guys standing in front of the science patrol car mm-hmm. with the headlights on and they're sitting there smoking so the light is going through the headlight um illumin is being illuminated by the headlights and it's really weird that angles sounds, it's that i mean sounds tight actually it's pretty cool i mean yeah. basically from what i gather just because he's done so much work for the ultraman series which for the listeners, he did this stuff in 1966 and then directed this movie in 1990. So, I mean, that's a, mm. I think that's really awesome that they brought Jisoji back for this. But, uh, I mean, the guy has an absolute flavor to his directing. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to see him on, on here at least. I mean, I again wish I knew more about why this movie was like it was. I mean, it apparently didn't do well in Japan. Um, and it's hmm. actually, you know, what's weird about this is like when I think of the Ultraman movies that I'm aware of from before 1990, I thought they were all like compilation movies. And this was a full blown, absolute like first attempt movie. Like, I don't think they they had done something like this, at least Subaraya for a Weren't while. They, at least. What was uh, when was the. Uh, oh, what's it called? It's got blue in the title. That's the only the, the only. uh like Blue Planet or uh, Ultraman Cosmos Two, the Blue Planet came out in two thousand two. Okay, so after that, apparently okay, this yeah. is what started the next boom of Ultra stuff. Oh, right on. Or at least this was right when it was starting. Maybe this and some other things started the next boom of Ultra stuff. And you know, we haven't really gotten to that kind of thing in the podcast yet, and I don't really know that much about it. So I kind of feel like I need to hold off on discussing any of that stuff until we can get somebody on here on who really has a good sense of history. Uh, maybe I should just get Bob to come on and explain what the heck is happening there in this go. movie. And actually I'm more, more, uh, you know, normally I'm the kind of guy who's like, well, you know, let me tell me about the behind the scenes stuff. So I would love to know what Subaraya was doing at this time and how not edgy Subaraya, but the company, uh, and how, they ended up deciding to do finally do an ultra Q movie after 30 years, almost 30 years, I guess I should say. Um, well, let's go ahead and move along. Like, you know, taking off the table, the fact that we couldn't understand the movie <laughs> was <laughs> kind of the, wait, wait, did the you say what you like best Clancy? Uh, no, not yet. I interrupted you. <laughs> Would you like best? Yeah. And actually that's kind of what I wanted to do was kind of step away from the actual uh, narrative of the film um, and kind of focus on what you were saying with the director. Um, mm-hmm. 
basically one of the things that I really was enjoying as I was sitting there and watching the film was there was a lot of scenes um, that seemed to have this almost dreamlike quality to them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I completely um, see that. One of them being like uh, the scene where the alien woman or whatever, the woman in red is uh, having a discussion with one of the human characters and they're kind of out in the forest. Then all of a sudden these light beams are kind of, coming up in the background and whatnot. Yes, and, that was a really cool shot. Yeah. Really cool scene. Nice. And another one where there was just kind of like this layer of fog going over the forest and it didn't really seem to have anything necessarily to do what was going on. Um, but I actually just finished reading through a book um, on the original Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven's film. And uh, that that's a, has a very similar thing where it comes mm. into through the entire film, you're oh, kind okay, of cool. never aware of like, when exactly they're dreaming and when they aren't dreaming um, and not being able to actually understand what was going on in the film. I was just kind of un- enjoying that vibe and that dream, like I said, dreamlike atmosphere. Um, and what I saw, I thought was done really well. And of course, again, that's probably due to what you were saying with the style of this director and then even mixing with that with some of the interesting camera shots. Um, yeah, that was probably my favorite aspect of the film. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I is uh I wish there had been a little more like uh ultra Q original ultra Q flavor. I mean, the, we uh recognized Captain Mura mm-hmm. or Muramata from uh from Ultraman in the very beginning, very brief cameo. But uh other than that, I didn't like recognize anybody. I didn't uh, and actually it wasn't until much later when we were looking at the cast list, it said Toshio Shiba who was in Godzilla vs. Hedra who played Yukio, I think the teenager in that film, like I didn't even recognize him, but mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to see those kinds of, those kinds of people. I would have liked to see some more connection to the original series, I guess. I mean, that's a real weird nitpick to have on my part, but uh, I mean, what do you guys think about, like, what did you guys hate in this movie or dislike and wish they had done more aside from, like I said, not being able to understand the movie. I wanted more kaiju. I mean, I I think that we can talk about the kaiju himself a little bit, but um, but I think that there was so little of the kaiju, and then the robot lady and kind of the statue turning into the robot. I dug all those parts. I thought they looked really cool. Kind of wish there was more to oh, them, and if I had had more, more story lots, about lots, it, lots but more, yeah. yeah, and you got such a glimpse of the kaiju initially that it was like, okay, what's happening? Is this tremors or what's this? I don't know what's going on. Um, I love then, that opening shot or the, yeah. the first appearance shot, I should say, of the kaiju mm-hmm. just didn't didn't right. come back it's, forever. Exactly. Yeah. God. So, but uh, but I thought the design was kind of funny. I, I liked it, and at the same time, thought it looked completely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty derpy. Yeah. yeah. So the lack of giant monster action, actually, the lack of like, you know, standard tokusatsu stuff. I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, I, I appreciate the uh, the robot lady, and I appreciate the the statue. I thought that <laughs> actual for a second, I thought that the statue was just going to literally be a statue, but then it actually moved, so it was some mm-hmm. sort of suit or puppet. Yeah, you know. So I guess kudos for that. But yeah. I don't. I mean, there should have been more. There should have been more monster. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of budget they were working on. Gretchen, least favorite thing about this movie. I needed a little bit more 
a little bit more grounding for myself. I mean, like the, the language stuff was really obviously the biggest problem. Right. Yeah. But like I needed a little bit more plot grounding so that I could track the characters better. Okay. Because like when that character comes back at the end, I'm like, is that did he did he come back? <laughs> I'm so confused. Yeah. The guy who plays. uh And he gets like the space seed or whatever right? is happening. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, <laughs> Yeah, it's they don't bizarre. explain it well enough. And like, it's weird that they found his dead body, right? But then they right. he wasn't really him. Were the other people the that decoy? were like, I don't know that were the other murderers? maybe okay. So the first guy you see, right? It looks like it looks like Professor Yamane, yeah, Doctor Yamane from the original Godzilla. It looks kind of like Takashi Shimura, and I don't think that that's was symbolic in any way. But like that was a scientist. Right. Who died for some reason. And mm. we don't know why because we don't understand the movie. But does that have – did you see – I didn't see one of them. I had trouble seeing – there was a lot of so much darkness in those water, um, like, cast those – those like ritual scenes. Yeah. It was hard to see <laughs> Maybe their faces. he was in there. Maybe That's he wasn't. That's what I was thinking. Like maybe, maybe that – those people all get like implanted. So maybe he know. was an alien or turned into an alien. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. I think my thing was like when I br- brought up Princess Salno from Kidra is the sort of concept from that movie or maybe some other movies. I can't remember that in some people's DNA, they are inherently alien. Mm. And then it just takes some sort of awakening to turn them into an alien. To which point, I guess these people, if that's their case, they were like, yep, I'm out of here. Don't want to be on this planet anymore. But what was the purpose? I guess but the fact that we don't understand is like why the purpose of doing the ritual multiple times was that so they can do ship construction or. Oh, my gosh. I have right? no like, idea. That's right? stuff that is oh, like, you thought it was. Mo- I th- I, I there was more than as... one time when they went out into oh, the I water. Assumed, I assumed they were out there the whole time. No, just kept no. Cutting back to them. They kept talking. Well, they there was some phrasing that they were saying that was like. That they were saying that they had to go back. Oh. Mm. And so that was the only thing I was like, maybe it's multiple rituals. No, 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 man. So, I mean, the thing that Bob said in his explanation of what this movie is was, what if the Earth finally got fed up of individuals and companies exploiting the Earth's natural resources for their own selfish gain and the Earth decides to fight back? But I did not get that at all. These are aliens. <laughs> well, unless the monster was some kind of Batra thing. Like an Earth yeah, Guardian. Yeah, it's like an Earth Elemental mm. or an Earth Guardian or mm. something like that. I mean, but he, he, he was drawn on the spaceship. I figured I he was like know. the alien watchdog. All of this is complete speculation, listeners. The jury is clearly going to be out on this. I'm just happy the raccoon didn't start talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Rachel's uh, not. No, I, I was know, hoping Rachel for loved that. raccoon loved kaiju that. No, at some point. I did not need the snarf character in this movie. <laughs> well, thank snarf. God you didn't get him. Well, I did not, he yeah. would have been way cooler than snarf. Snarf, what kind of mosh? Oh, man, that uh, hurt my heart a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who else has some negative things they want to say about this movie? I mean, we don't need to rag on it too much, I think. I don't know that there's anything to rag on. Yeah. I didn't understand it enough. Yeah. You know, it's like, and that's not a, that's not a criticism of the movie. That's just you know. That's a criticism of the kaiju cast for covering it. Yes. Way to go, Kyle. Kyle, you really <laughs> borked that one. No, I mean I I wanted to cover it because I knew it was a giant monster, and this is not the first 
Is this the first time we've watched an unsubtitled movie? Yeah. First time I've I, done that here. I, I guess so. I think you and I have watched an unsubtitled movie, but it wasn't. Yeah. Like I don't a know. One. I feel like something recently was pretty pretty bizarre, but maybe I'm thinking of just a, a you know one of my own home viewings of something. But anyway, yeah, I really wish that there has uh, there was some kind of subtitles for this that we could follow along with. I would just apologize to the listeners and direct them to re-listen to the Big Man Japan episode. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the Death Cap Or the episode. Death Cap episode. Or that Dai Gordo. That would work Dai too. Oh, Dai Goro versus Goliath. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, any, anybody have anything else they want to knock about the movie? I mean, basically, we could still grade this visually against other kaiju films we've seen we we know it came out in 1990 which is in sort of in between godzilla movies you know yeah violante came out the previous year uh it was going to be another year before king Ghidra came out there was no gamera on the horizon just yet so in terms of like the landscape of giant monster movies at least this was sort of what i'm guessing is they were like hey godzilla's back Time to bring Ultraman back. And we're going to kick things off with an Ultra Q movie. But I don't know. Sure. I don't know. Any, it's my, anyone's guess, right? Kind of thing. I'll buy that theory. Yeah. Well, what I will say, and it isn't really a knock on the film or a hate about the film. Sure. But when I'm sitting there watching it and the movie comes to like right before the end and all of a sudden this giant spaceship is like <laughs> coming up from below the ground and the spaceship looks cool. And I kind of perk up like, oh, cool, something's happening. And then all of a sudden, the credits start rolling yeah. and yeah. music starts playing. I'm just <laughs> yeah. kind of like, something's what? happening, all right. The maybe, movie's yeah. over. Yeah. Maybe you should have started the film at this point. The spaceship or... was cool. Yeah, I, I mean, thought it the spaceship was great. I can't cool. wait for the sequel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> where they dig into the spaceship story. Yeah, really, yeah. really get into that. I want to, yeah. I mean, I'm, I would love to know why like the spaceship really... looked like that. I mean, the monster was on the yeah. side of the ship. The face was on, the alien face was on the side of the ship. It was very a, interesting <laughs> point of the really story. Really intriguing, right? But then it's <laughs> over. Well, I think they, I really think they read in the, they read, um, Innsmouth, the, the, oh, the, the shadow in, Innsmouth. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do like, um, because like so the, the ritual space rapture theory right I like, yeah. I, they I got like the that. people yeah. like they're they're transforming into weird water turtle like ritual weird hands. Hey, let's actually had, like, just thing. let's just weird say hands. that there there we didn't see any physical evidence of that they were they just, just like rolling the around ground, in the water like <laughs> but they were like it was seen with intent right yeah there was some. I don't know. They were standing up and then falling backwards. Well, and like the the island type thing also is from the Lovecraft story. That's what I'm thinking. This is like really built around. Did they drink all that beer that we saw the cans of? That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, All those beer cans. That's what they were drinking. We missed the party scene. (laughs) This was the (laughs) The after effects of them. The go-go of one million. Yeah. Yeah. That's a smog monster reference for you listeners out there. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. Let's uh, final thoughts. Gets ready to move into final thoughts. I mean, do we need to yeah. unpack it more? Because we, Not I think really. we no. sort of expanded no. on yeah. theories. We've sort of played out as much as we know. So, Rachel, I mean, obviously, I think instead of saying, "Would you show this to a kaiju newbie?" Because obviously, the answer is no. 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 Uh, would you be interested in seeing this? subtitled at a later date yeah to really get a better idea of what's going on exactly i think if anything i just want 
an explanation. I want to know what I actually watched. Right. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, how about this, too? Like, did you did the movie seem like it could have been a bad movie? Like, obviously bad. I don't think so. I think yeah. for me, I mean, I I dig a kaiju movie that has a spooky element to it. I always think that's really so interesting. Cool. Um, while I also have a love, though, for the campiness of a right. lot of, especially the 70s ones. Um, and, of course, the Ultraman show. But I, I also love seeing the other side of that. Just like, I think it had a similar vibe. It's certainly not to the level of it, of the original, uh, the right. 1954 Godzilla film. I mean, I think that it's got that dark overtone to it and i dug that so that's i think why i am more curious interesting so, yeah gretchen i totally dug it i mean i would i really want to watch it once it's been subtitled of course but i really like the dark q fantasy stuff and so this kind of was a nice little like before they started the dark q fantasy series this is the kind of similar weird um investigative reporter vibe gonna going on yes totally yeah. I mean, I think it really does have the f- the the taste, the, you know, the flavor the of tone. Ultra Q. Yeah, June is not a pilot. Ipe's not his, you know, partner, but they work for the TTV series or TV TTV cell television show. Yeah, I don't know what that is. The Ancient Aliens show, right? And uh, you know, I I just channel. want to really get it. I want I want I want some really good <laughs> Japanese friends to come over. <laughs> drink some Japanese beer with me and explain the hell out of this movie to me because I just don't. I want to get it, but I don't get it. And so I feel bad about that. But, um, you know, maybe this is the, the time when I say, dear fan subbers, Where? take yeah. a look at this movie. I'll take it. It yeah. might not be on Blu-ray yet, but it's been out on DVD for a while in Japan. And no one has taken this on. Hi, Notori fan subs. I'm looking at you. <laughs> or anybody else, really. I, I just want to see it subtitled. You know, this, that was the problem with the original Ultra Q for the longest freaking time. As someone who knew how cool Ultra Q could be, there were no subtitles at all of anything online uh, available legitimately, available illegitimately at all. There was like nothing. It was huh. like anytime you saw somebody selling the Ultra Q series, it was like all Japanese, no English language. Dark and it's times. like... Dark it, times. It was dark times, especially for me, because, you know, I really like that 1966 stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know more about, like, especially like, well, you guys, well, when we talk about Ultra Q, we'll, we'll talk more about that. The actual ultra, original TV series. But for me, being able to understand this stuff is very important. And I, too, now see Dave. <laughs> Yes. This may have been a mistake. Words good. <laughs> Words good. Words good. And uh yeah, Dave, final thoughts. Um I I I don't know that I'm super excited about watching it again. I think mm-hmm. I gave it the hour and a half out of my life that I'm okay. going to. I think I'm actually uh I, I'm actually more interested in checking out this dark fantasy thing you guys have been talking Word. about. That sounds kind of cool. So, um, you know, I want to check it out, but you know, I don't know if we were killing time one day and there, and it did come out and such, I do like now that I'm starting to sort of retcon it in my head and figure out what was uh, going on there. I do like the sort of in's mouth slash Tony Hooper's life force kind of, um, element that, that it, um, that it had with the, with the spaceship and the taking the people away and maybe they're aliens or, Maybe they're 
chosen humans who are off to try harder on another planet mm. or, you know, or, or something like that. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I'm not, you, know, you it's like, have been chosen uh, yeah, to represent not, the human race. Not a big, <laughs> not gotta be honest, not a big fan of, uh, Nagira was that his name? Did mm-hmm. we determine that that was his name? Mm-hmm. Not it's like consider yeah. especially now considering that we now know that he came out. This is a post Biolante kaiju. Immediately post Biolante, yeah. Biolante was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Everything that, you know, visual about mm-hmm. Biolante, that was, film, in my opinion, was, was gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. So the so the the bar was set during mm-hmm. that era of uh, kaiju films. Nagira pretty muppety. On the scale, of, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, no denying yeah. that. You know, for sure. and it's like, and you know, it's like they couldn't. There, there wasn't. There wasn't even a scene. Like I was like mentioning when we were watching it, they they couldn't even take the time to show the scene of the horns coming forward oh, sad. before yeah. it uses its energy weapon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, just you know, just like oh, they're back. Oh no, they're forward now. He must be getting ready to shoot his energy weapon out of his mouth. Oh look, there he did it. Oh no, he's not doing it anymore. Now he's holding it back again. <laughs> yeah. So that was just cheap. Come on, guys. All right. So Dave not gonna rewatch. Understandable. Probably not. Probably, Probably, not. Not. Probably not. Okay, Clancy. Yeah, as I'm sitting here thinking about this environmental, you know, message that at least was supposed to be in the film, it's just kind of making me think back on Godzilla versus Hedra <laughs> and just thinking, you know, we didn't you could probably ask, did we really need a Woodstock 2? And I don't... <laughs> no, good, good. And I think the s- same totally can be said about, I don't really know if we needed a Hedra Palooza 2. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy the experience. Um, I would watch it again uh, later on if it gets subtitled. Um, but I do kind of just want to go sit down and watch... Godzilla versus Hedra, which to me is yeah. a much better oh, man. environmentalist angle. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, kaiju film. Um, and that's about all I can say on that. All right. So uh, I guess, you know, final thoughts for me are I'm still not sure what I think about this movie. I want to, I really want to like it because I like the director. I like Ultra Q. I like the Subaraya stuff just in general. And I, I'm absolutely going to give this movie another chance especially once I could figure out what it means. Um, <laughs> the monster, I liked the monster quite a bit. I just wanted more, right? I mean, I wanted yeah. more Tokusatsu stuff and, uh, and appreciate, you know, an understanding for what they were saying. And yeah, I can absolutely appreciate these, uh, these subtitles that go into these movies <laughs> and television shows that we watch. Uh, I definitely, of course, would not show this to a Kaiju newbie. And hopefully later on when we see that it's eventually in the future been subtitled, I can come back and revise that statement with an absolute yes or an absolute no based on whether or not I actually enjoyed the film. Uh, you know, I guess thanks in advance to the listeners that sent in their homework, uh, <laughs> that subjected themselves to watching this movie without any kind For of English. Sure. We're going to go ahead and hear what they had to say right now. Mike Keller has owned a VHS copy of Ultra Q the movie since the 1990s, so he knew what he was getting into. This is only the second time he's watched it, as the lack of inadequate translation does not endear it to repeat viewings. Mike first tried researching avenues of dubious legality to see if any translations might exist, but found that none had even been attempted in the 25-plus years that this thing has existed. 
So you guys out there know who you are. Get on that. More Western fans are familiar with Ultra Q now, and it would totally be worth your while to invest some time into a nice subtitled version. Mike did ultimately decide to watch his VHS again rather than any online stories. I mean, what's the point of owning 20th century technology if you never use it? You may as well toss it, which is what I did with my VHS player. Uh, Anyway, Mike was able to work out enough of what was going on uh, from an article in Markalite number two and from just observing what was happening. For whatever reason, he found it more engaging this time. He is hesitant to rate the film without a proper translation, but he can tell that it's probably pretty good, perhaps even better than Godzilla vs. Biollante, which came out right around the same time. So, from what Mike can gather, the film plays off the Eric von Daniken slash Giorgio porcupine head ancient alien nonsense. Some aliens either came to Japan or crashed in ancient times. They or their descendants inhabit a village. They like salt slash salt water. They have a pet monster. They kidnap a guy who is investigating and eventually give him back. And or he escapes, though he seems to have an alien girlfriend now. Also, some business people are just doing construction near them, and they're not cool with this, so they send the pet monster to mess things up. At the end, aliens and monsters pack up in a spaceship and bugger off back home, or at least somewhere else. Some other things Mike noted were the ever-present Magatama, the comma-shaped bead that often appears in Japanese sci-fi and fantasy. It can also be seen in the Gamera trilogy, Blue Seed, Yamato Takeru, and several other entities and franchises. Mike also took notice that a lot of people in the movie smoke a lot, and they really like that stuffed raccoon. He was never really clear on how Ultra Q fit in with the rest of the Ultra series, if it was supposed to be part of the same universe or an entity unto itself, but he does get the impression that this film is supposed to be a remake and not a continuation of that series. He's pretty sure they would have tapped Kenji Sahara, Hiroko Sakurai, etc. to reprise their roles otherwise. Speaking of which, it seems to really be missing something without the Cessna. The movie was directed by Akio Jisoji, the ultra director who really likes silhouettes. And he displays that a couple of times here. Mike also recognizes genre stalwarts like Akiji Kobayashi, Susumo Kurobe, and Hiroshi Tsuburaya. Where were those guys? (laughs) The movie seems well shot, well made, and all around pretty. And the monster Nagira is cool. It just seems curious that after the monster's brief rampage mid-film, no authorities appear interested in finding or investigating or destroying the monster. Mike will reserve further judgment until he sees a translated version. As a big Ultraman fan, Abel found himself rather disappointed with Ultra Q the movie, Legend from the Stars. While the film does follow the basic premise of the original Ultra Q, being a group of reporters and scientists tracking down bizarre phenomenon in Japan, Sadly, it just doesn't capture the humor, fantasy, or the fun of the classic TV show. This is especially disappointing since director Akio Jisoji, who directed the Jamila, Zibos, and other memorable episodes from Ultraman, sadly fails to incorporate the charm of his earlier work. Instead of adapting classic episodes from Ultra Q for the silver screen in an omnibus feature, a la Creepshow or any of the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes, Jisoji and writer Mamoru Sosaki create a rather uninteresting production that feels a bit too long. On the bright side, the special effects are nice, since Tsuburaya was not actively producing Ultraman shows at the time of this film's release. The creature designs are neat, and the limited miniature effects are serviceable. 
But as a bonus for Ultraman fans, a few actors who would play huge roles in Ultraman Tiga, Dinah, and Gaia in the late 1990s make appearances in Ultra Q the movie. For example, Mio Takaki, who portrayed one of the main characters in this flick, would later take on the role of Captain Iruma in Ultraman Tiga. To sum things up, Abel would only recommend Ultra Q the movie to the most hardcore of Ultraman slash Ultra Q fans, and even then, he would caution viewers about this entry. You've been warned, viewers. Adam says that Ultra Q the movie seems to be your typical ancient alien story mixed with your typical 90s bonk-bonk-over-the-head environmental message. He loved the design of the giant monster, and the alien woman's design reminded him a lot of the Machina Mensch from Fritz Lang's Metropolis. He can't really say if he enjoyed the movie or not, as Ultra Q the movie has yet to be subtitled, but Adam will definitely say that Ultra Q the movie is at least a movie that should be watched once for anybody that is a fan of Ultra Q, or anyone interested in what Tsuburaya Productions was doing in between the end of Ultraman 80 and the beginning of Ultraman Tiga. There you have it, our Daikaiju discussion for the 1990 Ultra Q the movie Legend of the Stars. I don't know about you, but I am kind of tired of saying that title. So, uh, what's happening next month? Originally, my intention was to watch Godzilla Monster Planet with the rest of the world. But uh, as Toho would have it, Netflix now has to wait to add it to their lineup. So I'm not sure when we're going to get it. And I'm sure they're just trying to milk those theatrical showings. Anyway, since we might not get to see the film this year, we'll just add it to the mix when we can next year and we'll do something else. Now, if Mike Keller hadn't already been helpful enough, this is just going to put him over the edge. He must be on his best behavior for Santa or for the Colonel. I don't know. I don't really know what Mike's uh, preference is there. But anyway, he noticed that we never actually covered the Danish-American disaster epic, Reptilicus. Now, I know December is a busy, busy month with all the holidays, so I'm actually making the due date a little bit earlier so I don't have to scramble as much towards the end of the month. Please have your homework turned in by December 21st in order to have your thoughts, questions, and reviews included for the discussion episode. Uh, Now, like I said earlier, we do have some news to cover, so instead of playing some in-between track, we're just going to go right into it. United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Okay, the big news I would assume for anybody listening is that Godzilla Monster Planet opened in Japan on November 17th. Uh, The theatrical box office results put it at number three the very first weekend it was out. Um, beaten only by It, you know, the scary Stephen King movie, and High and Low, the movie Three Final Mission, which was number two. I'm not exactly sure about the second week and how well it performed since Box Office Mojo is not showing me the second week results. Why is that? Who knows? Uh, But I went to aga.com, which is the Japanese sort of movie website, Um, And if they are correct, it may have dropped to the 11th spot in the box office results. Not a very good showing, in my opinion. Uh, Hopefully that does not actually mean much in terms of the quality of the movie. There is a slash film review that I have not read yet, and I probably will not read. Um, But if you would like to read it, I'm going to have a link in the show notes to slash films Godzilla Planet of the Monsters review. 
in addition to the movie opening and, of course, all the potential hype and the products that have come out, Polygon Pictures has already started teasing the next movie because, like we've said before, this is the first in a trilogy of animated films. I won't say who they revealed was going to be in the next film, but if you'd like to, look at this. I'm, like, uh, giving you little spoiler warnings beforehand. There's going to be a link in the notes to Tokusatsu Network's report on who's going to be in the next animated film. Okay, keeping with the Monster Planet vibe, Sci-Fi Japan has added more updates from Toho on the movie. Lots and lots of stills have been provided to them, so go check that out if you want to see what you're in store for when the movie finally becomes available. Now that's enough talk about that newfangled animation. Let's get back to the real Godzilla and uh, talk about TV Asahi, who hosted a general Godzilla election variety program earlier this month, and they had fans vote on their favorite monsters. You might remember this from a couple years ago. I think it was from the proper 60th anniversary. I think the same people did a vote on the best movie, and so that's when Godzilla vs. Biollante won, which was shocking to me. I really was not expecting that. This time, they're asking people their favorite monsters, and so I'm actually going to give you the results, the top 20. Uh, I'm not going to do the uh, the full drum roll stuff that David Letterman used to do, but here's the top 20. Number 20, Batra. Number 19, Godzillasaurus. 18, Varan. Yeah. Uh, number 17, Destroya. 16, Baragon. 15, Kaiser Ghidra. Kaiser Ghidra made the top 20 Godzilla monsters? Whatever. Anyway, uh, 14, Jet Jaguar. 13, Super Mechagodzilla, meaning the 1993 version. Number 12, Kiryu Mechagodzilla. And I think specifically it might even be the Type 3 version. Number 11, Biollante. 10, Hedera. 9, Gigan, Mr. Banana Hands himself. 8, Baby Godzilla. 7, Mecha King Ghidra, six Angulus, number five Showa Mecha Godzilla, four Minya, three Rodan, two King Ghidra, and one Mosulaya. Mosulaya. shocking results. Jeff is going to be super psyched when he hears. I mean, that is if he still likes Mothra. Anyway, uh, that's the end of that. They'll have a link in the show notes where you can go to the Tokusatsu Network's article about this general election program. It's pretty cool. Kind of funny. I actually was looking at some of the Twitter results during that day, and um, it was it's just a, a lot of fun to look at Japanese Twitter, I think. So anyway, we're going to move along to the next item. If you have not heard, Janus slash the Criterion Collection has gotten a hold of some Godzilla films. Now, nobody really knows what's going to be happening with this, but it's a very, very interesting, A, list of movies, and B, a very interesting idea for Criterion to have their hands on these titles. These are the films currently streaming on stars under the Janus Films and Criterion logos. Godzilla 54, Godzilla Raids Again, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Rodan, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, Invasion of the Astro Monster, War of the Gargantuas, Son of Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters, All Monsters Attack, Godzilla vs. Megalon, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 74, and Terror of Mechagodzilla. 
Now, with some very small exceptions, that list there is pretty much what hasn't been released on Blu-ray or high definition here in the States. So I think what everybody naturally assumes is that Criterion is going to be putting these out on Blu-ray and DVD. And if that is what's happening, oh, wow, that is so cool. So uh, if you liked what Criterion did for the 1954 film slash 1956 film, then I think you're going to be pretty happy if they start releasing these. I mean, usually Criterion puts out, you know, subtitled releases, super high quality, great special features. So fingers crossed that we've got some awesome stuff coming our way soon. Now, uh, people are already watching these, so they are available streaming right now. If you have stars, that service, and, you know, some sort of HD device, you can watch these most of them are actually in Japanese with subtitles, so go check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes to a bloody disgusting article. <laughs> That's the name of the website, uh, telling all about this stuff. And, you know, I'm hoping we hear more very soon. The other thing I wanted to mention, Mike Walters, big thanks to him for sending an email to Criterion and asking them what their intention was with these movies, and their response was good. They said they hope to make them available on other platforms in the future. They will be streaming on Filmstruck starting in December, and they hope to release them on Blu-ray and DVD at some point, but they just aren't sure of the schedule. Thanks again, Mike, and thanks again, Criterion, because that is great news for us Godzilla fans. We are going to go ahead and move along to the next item, now, if you've been listening since, let's say, 2015, I went to Los Angeles back then uh, for Monster Palooza, and while I was in L.A., I interviewed Brad Warner about Subaraya's current legal battles. In that episode, he totally said, like, it would be really great if Subaraya could actually win a lawsuit here in the United States uh, regarding their copyright of Ultraman, Ultra Q, and Ultra 7 and their ongoing legal battles with Chayo and Sampote Sands. And according to this article from Sci-Fi Japan, the jury has ruled in favor of Subaraya Pro in the Ultraman rights lawsuit. <gasps> so I'm not actually, I have not read this article yet, but that is big, big news. Um, there's also an article on Tokusatsu Network that I will link to about this. And Sci-Fi Japan says stay tuned because they are going to have much, much more coverage of this as it unfolds. And I just have to say, on a personal note, if this is the case, ugh, congratulations, Subaraya. I really, really hope that that means you are going to be able to start releasing things here in America legitimately with awesome updates. I hope the partnership that you have with Crunchyroll really ensures that American fans are going to finally be able to legitimately see your work for the past 50 years. That's, woo, that's incredible. So anyway, moving right along, if you can't tell, I'm excited. Moving right along, there's another collaboration, right? So we've talked about these crossovers. Sometimes they're collaborations. Crossovers would be like Gudetama or Hello Kitty with Godzilla, which both have happened. This is more of a collaboration, right? So you get some fashion people, like uh, Bathing Ape was one of them, uh, recently during the Shin Godzilla promotion stuff. This is a company called Super Groupies, uh, and they are doing a fashion collaboration with Godzilla. And to be perfectly honest, this, is, uh, this kind of thing is not really my cup of tea. I just think it's kind of cool to see, like I've said before, Godzilla and his uh, rubber-suited foes 
branching out and finally being adopted by the general public for stuff like this. These are the kinds of things that have been happening with Ultraman forever. And now Godzilla is finally getting them, and I'm super stoked about it. So I'll have a link in the notes to a Tokusatsu Network article about this. And uh, there's not really much more to talk about in the way of news. I'm sure I could keep talking about some other things like the Ultraman manga website is going to have some news soon. They've got a countdown going on, but no need to dive right into their website right now because I'm sure we're going to hear about it in just a few days. Uh, So I think we'll go ahead and move along to our catastrophic events. If any listeners live near or in Brazil, Ben Furuya and Kenji Oba will be part of the CCXP. December 7th through December 12th, the Comic-Con experience is happening at the Convention Center in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'll have a link in the show notes to the website where you can check it all out. Uh, I know we do have some listeners in South America, so if you heard about these appearances here, make sure you tell Ben Furuya that the KaijuCast sent you. Just kidding. He will not know who that is. And since I don't have any more events with tokusatsu guests to promote, let's talk about something happening in Japan right now. In the Yurakacho Marui building, which is very near the, um, the Genza Godzilla statue, if that is still on display, the Godzilla show space kicked off on November 10th and is going to be running through January 8th. Just as a side note, that's like three days before I get to Japan. Can't you wait for me, Godzilla? Jeez. Anyway, I'm including a Google Map link into the show notes for anybody who is going to Japan and wants to check this out. There's a lot of cool things on display. I think they have some cool stuff for sale as well. I know that Matt Frank has gone. He is actually in Japan right now as I'm recording this. He's been in some photos online from that show space. So it looks kind of awesome. If you're interested in finding out more, check the show notes because there's going to be a link to not only the map to show you how to get there. There's also going to be a link to the actual Marui website, Godzilla Show Space page, which has all of the information about how to get there. You can even hit the translate button if you're using like Chrome or something like that. It's not too bad, that translation. So anyway, check that out if you're going to be in Japan. It looks like it's a real awesome thing. And uh, I'm really frustrated that it's, (laughs) it's getting taken down three days before I get there. Anyway, moving right along, we have some housekeeping things to talk about. First things first, OMG, I shipped some stuff. Hey, if you won the contest for the Shin Godzilla giveaway, you should be getting your prize packs right now. I felt a little bad about it, so I threw in a couple little extra things for you guys, but be on the lookout if you have not already received them. Additionally... It is the end of November, which means we only have one month left in 2017, and this next month's Reptilicus is our last Zykaiju discussion, at least on the current iteration, the current schedule. So what I decided to do ages ago, and I still think it's a good idea, even though it sounds complicated as hell, it really isn't. What we're doing is we're polling the listeners. If you missed out on some movie that we covered a long time ago, right, and it's a movie that uh, was made after 1960, I want to know if you'd like a chance to submit your homework for that. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be filling an entire year, so that's probably 12, 11 or 12 Daikaiju discussions with some of these movies. So basically, we're asking the listeners what movies they'd like us to redo And especially since some of these movies, like the very first one we ever did was Final Wars, right? 
we had like probably five listeners when that happened. So it's going to be interesting to go back and see some of these. And especially it's going to be interesting to see if I'm going to have the same reaction that I did when I reviewed it the last time. Additionally, who wants to go back and listen to old episodes of these movies? You want to listen to us talk about this stuff now that I have better equipment and I'm a little more personable and I like being on mic more. So, you know, head over to the Facebook page. If you're not a fan of that page, I think you can still comment, but you should totally be a fan of the the KaijuCast Facebook page if you are not already. Anyway, there's a pinned post at the top of the page that uh, is asking people for their suggestions. So just toss some into the comments if there's something you are looking for post-1960 to fill out this next year. And then in 2019, when we celebrate our 10th anniversary, the Daikaiju discussion is coming back in a brand new iteration with uh, absolute chronological order. And I'm really looking forward to doing some more deep dive stuff than we have been doing in these discussion episodes. So I'm not going to keep talking about that because I'm by myself and that's what a crazy person would do. So we're just going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, please point your web browser to KaijuCast.com to see what we are all about. You know, I need to start asking people to do this. If you're not already doing so, please do subscribe to the podcast. Those numbers absolutely help us out. And if you are enjoying the KaijuCast and have not done so, feel free to write us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to the KaijuCast. If that's iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, and we could always use more reviews of the podcast. So uh, having said that, we're going to go ahead and play one final song. I've actually been saving this one for some reason. Maybe we should, I'm not going to make this the theme song to the podcast because that's silly, but it's kind of rocking. It's kind of fun. And it's for the Kaiju Club, which I talked about a little while ago. It's this really kind of cool period piece comedy show about these kids in the 70s who love Ultraman and Ultra 7 and they produce their own zine. Oh, so fun. Such a cool show. That's another one that needs more subtitles. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and kick that song off and we'll see you for the next episode. Jamata. I'm 
Come on. 